Hello and welcome to the Amber Spycast, your one-stop shop for all things his dark materials. Although, co-hosts, the last episode that's going to be about this trilogy. This is the one. This is what we've been aiming for for how long? When did we start? June of 2018? 18. 18, guys. Was it 18 or 19? I think we had 19. 19. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. 19. 19. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I wiped 2020 from my mind. I feel like it's like one of those old Formula 409 commercials. It's like, sweep, <laughs> and it's gone. Oh, my gosh. 2020, you're soaking in it. No, that's Palm Olive. That's Palm Olive. Sorry. It's okay. Um, oh, my God. It'll make it smoother. Yeah. So, Travis, Joanna, how are we feeling once we've closed this out? What are we feeling about Will and Lyra's adventures? Oh, God. All the feels. All the feels, you know. I, I mean, I feel a little like. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, it really reminds me of camp. You know, like I, I never really went to camp, but when I when, when I was in high school, when we were in high school, uh, you know, I, I went to when I was in high school, I went to the. National Young Leaders Conference, and for the first time in my entire life, I was like around people who, an entire group of people who were like me. They were like all these big like government nerds and all these other things, and you know, just met some fantastic people when I was there. And then it was over, and I remember the last day how terrible it felt that. I had to leave just for just, you know, five days, five days is a tiny percentage of the life that I'd had and that I was going to have. But in those five days, I, I felt like, like I felt like I'd made the absolute best friends in the entire world. And then I had to leave them and it ripped my heart out. Absolutely ripped my heart out. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt reading this. I just felt, you know, for these two kids, like they, you know, they were on this one adventure together and, but it happened at a period in their lives when they were in the middle of like the greatest changes that any of us go through. And then they had to be taken away from each other and just gut wrenching, just heart wrenching and beautifully captured. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I was going to say something pretty similar to what you were saying, which is I, I felt like I felt like I lost a friend. <laughs> like when I was done and I closed the book, I was like, well, you know, it's like, well, when am I going to see you again? I, I don't I, I don't know when, you know, and, and it just it felt so um, it's I'm not going to say it didn't feel lonely. And it wasn't like it was sad, but I guess it was more it was like bittersweet because I enjoyed the journey of it so much. And, you know, and again, he does at the end just beautifully capture that that just heartbreak when the the one person that you at that age, when you're at that age that you are like, I love this, my first love, your first mm-hmm. love and that they had to that I had to separate. I was just it was such a. It was so moving and, but I did, like, I kind of feel just like, well, now what? Like, I have to take breaks after books like this because I can't, I can't jump into another thing 
because I'm still living here. Yeah. And I'm still like emotionally attached to what's going on. I'm still like mourning things and processing things. And so like, you know, there's nothing yet for me either to like kind of fill this, the space that this has now like kind of left. And I'm like, wow. So I also feel kind of in this weird, like, you know, phantomy place. Yeah. It's like a limbo. Maybe one yeah. you will fill it up. No. <laughs> the, fact yeah. that we, the fact that we get the preview text for uh, the next trilogy at the end of the Kindle book, I almost jumped into it last night at 1230. I, I was like, I need this. I can't leave them. Uh, but it's one, it's one of those things like have, if I'd read this when I was 18, I wouldn't have gotten the ending, but reading it now at, you know, 45, I now see just how much more of life happens after that one impactful relationship mm. and you know you he he talks about it like and i you know lyra like just says it, it's when she says the line about how you know when you're with people to, when you find somebody that you like and you marry them you know don't compare them to me and everything cuz you can't because it's an entirely different time period and the fact that you know she's like 14 or 15 and got that um that it, it, it was definitely like wisdom beyond her years but it, it's absolutely true you know you don't understand the feeling until you're well past it and you know 45 year old travis gets it so much better than 18 year old travis would have i kind of thought about this i read this when i was early thirties. So I was way, way behind the curve on reading these books, but before we had children mm-hmm. and I kind of tied it to that a little bit because, you know, not everyone has these discussions, but we had like a real significant six, eight, 12 month discussion about whether we wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. We'd been married for 10 years, you know, so we could have definitely gone forward and had a full life um, we enjoyed 10 years of being together and having, you know, just cats to take care of and someone could just come over once a day and <laughs> look in on them and we could sort of go travel and, and you can't and, do that with your kids. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's like the, are you, do you, once you make the decision, you, whichever way the sort of the why the fork in the road, right. Mm-hmm. You can't look back yeah. and wonder, or you can't look back and sort of say, oh, man, wasn't it great when we didn't have kids? We just travel. And you can't look back when if you've chosen not to have a kid and look look longingly at other children like, oh, man, we, you know, I wish we'd have uh, we made the wrong choice. Look, go forward and never look back and be so happy in what you've chosen to do that chosen path. That's what really sunk in. Now, of course, I wasn't a parent when I first read it, but now I'm reading it, thinking about those choices we make and sort of understanding the, the lost, whatever it is that, you know, the loss of, you know, freedom and whatever we want, you know, I, I know people, they call them dinks, right? Dual yeah. income, no kids. Yep. And they live these like fanciful, wonderful lives and they just run around all over the place. But I see our little family unit as just as wonderful, if not more wonderful in my own eyes. And I would never change a single thing. So mm-hmm. going forward with Lyra's life and she's going to say, we can we can still be happy. We can still have a life and never just don't look back. Look forward. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause you know, thinking about this in, uh, that like sci-fi vein and you know here we hear people talk about uh you know time travel what would you go back and change nothing i mean because any change would like not allow today to happen mm-hmm. you know so you, you like you said you, you can't have those regrets i mean even if it were possible to go back because what you have if what you have now is is good you don't need to yeah I um I, f- I found there I, I sort of liked that um the demons had a piece of a significant piece of this puzzle and the yeah. way they delivered it you know but Lyra and Will also had a piece of the puzzle that added to the misery of the whole mm-hmm. moment you know it's like oh no you know that this realization that cutting in to another universe creates a specter mm-hmm was was a piece that the demons didn't have, right? Isn't that the piece that was the the big element that they didn't know? Right. The the demons knew about the dust. Right. And they knew about the specters. And closing those windows. And then it was they were like bargaining, right? It was like every little step's like, oh what if we did this? And what if we did this? Um so uh yeah so they they realize the the this sort of they're making bargains every step of the way here they're like what if we did this what if we tried this we oh we we remembered this one thing but i you know i even had forgotten i don't know if you guys i want to sort of wonder if you guys remember this particular part of it but leaving they were like oh well if you are able to be good and and spread wisdom and all these things gen, you can regenerate dust right and if you did that you could keep one window open you can keep one window open they're like oh great we'll keep the one window and we can move back and forth but they've already got a window open that they can't close which is the the world of the dead's window it's like every step it's like oh you know it's like those it must just be so excruciating to sort of try to find a way to still be together. Well, will will immediately is like, I'll just live with you and I'll die with you. Yeah. We'll get, we'll have 10 good years. And that's in that, that vein of like, you know, would, you know, is it, is it better to love and, lo- and Loss, lose or, yeah, love and lose instead of never having loved at all. It's like, but she would have to sit there and watch him wither and die for 10 years, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, you know, they can't go back and regenerate. It's like all these things, every step, it's just more and more depressing and more and more just, it gets to the point then where Will builds up a rage inside of him that it's hard Mm -hmm. to really picture and like wonder how long this lasts. It's like a big chunky paragraph, Mm -hmm. but he just is enraged at what the world, what cards that they have been dealt at Mm -hmm. this moment. I mean, that's, and that's the wonderful part about, you know, from a literary standpoint, how this takes this, the genre and flips it because typically, you know, at the end of the quest, the heroes, you know, get to be together and ride off into the sunset and, you know, live happily ever after. But that is not the case. Mm -hmm. They, they just get more misery at the end. I mean, and then the, the, in addition to to Will's rage, you've got uh, the the lament that came out of uh, Pan 
when he, he heard the story last time and then the whale that came out of Lyra, the, the like bookend whale that came out of Lyra when she realized the extent of what was going to, what they were going to have to give up, uh, you know, the, the misery these, these children have to deal with at the very end after they've gone through so much. Yeah. You know, um, Remember when Inigo Montoya hears Wesley cry out when he's being tortured mm-hmm. and he's so far away, but the, the whale just extends and, and it reverberates through like the entire kingdom. Right. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like that because Pan's whale. I remember thinking it was just like reverberating and, and pulsing with so much energy. This was kind of the same to me. It was just like, imagine how far that that was felt and yeah. reverberated through the universe universes. It seemed like it was like the the opposite of the hair bomb, mm-hmm. you know, like because you can't feel that kind of misery unless you're alive. Like the hair bomb was just like total like destruction of of life, just mm-hmm. wiped out all life. I mean, this is just like the worst part of life, but life nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, but I I, I do I do. Yeah, but I do appreciate the fact. See, I always, I hate when there's happy endings. That sounds really terrible. Because <laughs> I'm like a half-empty person. But I'm like, that's not real. Like, Harry Potter should have died, dude. You're like, he just should have died. Like, that's what should have happened. He shouldn't have that come back. Awesome. It's just yeah. silliness. Like, that to me is like silliness because it takes away, I think, the power. I'm not saying it has to be like this messianic story where, you know, everyone has to sacrifice and die. But it takes away a lot of, of, of that of that tension. Um, but it also takes away from the reality of it. Like, this is really what happens. You know, what happens with Lyra and Will is what happens to every single person at some moment in their life when they lose something that is irreplaceable. And it may not be a relationship that's a that's an intimate, loving relationship, but they lose something, you know? I'll never forget the, the day that I heard some traumatizing news and I my childhood is like, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? Any, everything I thought that was my childhood, having heard this news, it was all a lie to me. Like so now it's like, break. how do I you know, how, how do I move past this and, and start to try to re- retain whatever was good from there and, and, and move on and continue to build happiness off of that. And I feel like this is what was happening with, you know, right here, this is what was happening. We just kind of lost you. We lost you. What was that last thought you had? Just repeat that last. Oh, I'm bit. sorry. I That's know. Okay. I'm putting it fine. now. I just I'll like, edit it post. It was. Um, yeah, I just. It was. I just was saying that you know, it's it's really sad and it's kind of heartbreaking, but the fact that it's realistic is what makes it all the more impacting mm-hmm. and meaningful. Mm-hmm. You saying that just made me think more about the the demons changing and still being able to change shape and settling and and i always i really did and even still tie it a lot to puberty and and then i i kind of thought when they fell in love that was where it stopped but it's actually more about this moment the pain when they they lost that love just -hmm. like you said joanne it's like this is the moment when I wasn't a kid anymore. I heard this, this thing, this traumatizing news and everything else was sort of, it was then that was your, 
birth into adulthood. And it was everything from that moment forward was you were that being a child and childish things were over. And, you know, I see my Mm -hmm. kids, you know, my daughter holds a stuffed animal when she goes to bed. Like, what is the point when she doesn't do that anymore? Like, where, where is it where like the childish things are left behind and you move forward and you start becoming more, more adult. This is where they start. This is where they settle. Mm-hmm. Ugh, mm-hmm. it's just hard it's heartrending it's it's not it's not like my heart is exploding out of my chest it's like my heart is like bleeding away like just it's it's so sad these moments are just over and over you're, you just you want them so badly to be together and i'm also someone who appreciates tragedy and i like okay i don't like it but but i i like the realism of of a an ambiguous end, something that we know there's more books after this now. And and when I read this initially, there wasn't more books, Uh, but there are little seeds planted um, about being able to move without a door between universes, Uh, learning how to use the alethiometer without grace, but with learned knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, all these things that, that work, like you're working towards something instead of just being gifted something. Um, so you, you, the door is open for them to see each other again, but it's far, far in the distance, and you don't know if it's going to be possible. Yeah, one of them will make uh, internet interdimensional Facebook, and they'll run across their <laughs> former love. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but, um, um, but no. Uh, but before we we move right. on from that, um, I did want want to um, like kind of get your get your thoughts on that. So, are there any clues as to how they're going to see each other again? I mean, there's not even a hint. Just that it could be learned. The angel says that it could. They could do it. It's it's possible. Yeah. I mean, my thought was that it was going to involve that final door and they would figure out how to like see each other at the end. Hmm. Like at, so there's, there's this, there's lovely passages about them finding each other, atoms finding each other, yeah. uh, which is mm-hmm. just, they're just wonderful passages. Mm-hmm. You're saying like, they'll be conscious of them being together again, even for a brief moment in the world of the dead. Maybe um, that's, that's yeah. the thing. You know, when, when at that last moment, when they're able to just kind of poof, you know, and, and mingle, I just imagine, you know, a timeless realm, you know, is the land of the dead. Cause it's they're not necessarily past, present, future, all that, all that stuff. And they, they each live their lives in their world, but they still end up in that, in the same spot. And then they could stay in the world of the dead, right? For as long as they wanted to, don't they have to sort of climb up to leave? It's not a wonderful place to be, but there is is a version of this where once one of them dies, they sit there and wait for the other one. And they stay there for as long as they want to stay there. They could, they could, they just don't tell the Mm -hmm. harpies their story. Hmm. It's not a it's not a but, happy ending, and you know there will be some special. Sorry, 
It's okay. Here. It's okay. Um, what I was gonna say was that they get some special passes though, since they're the one that opened the door. Right? Like they should probably have some like perks, some, some credit. They, <laughs> they could stay there as long as they wanted to without like any kind of you know wrath or retribution. Gracious wings would probably cards. you know be very uh, happy to wings. allow that. Uh. They got a Grace's Wings uh, punch card where they get a, they get a 12 inch sub. <laughs> well, I guess the number of trips that you make through the land of the dead, they would be the first people to make, you know, to get their full card ticket. Punched. That's right. A return. They return. <laughs> yeah. right. Like, welcome back. They're regulars. Uh-huh. The, the beer like slides down the bar. You know, they know exactly what they like. Norm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, another thing that, um, happens here, which, uh, I, another learned, um, piece of information is that Mary, uh, gets to spend some time with Serafina when they're with the Egyptians. I mean, the Egyptians coming to, uh, the Mulefa's land and those moments of them, you know, um, uh, Afar Decorum and Lord Fa and how they interact with the Mulefa and Atal is just, pure fantasy magic like how uh, this respect yeah. they have with each other just the, the gifts like this is i want to watch a 30 minute episode just about this where they're sharing and they're giving each other things and 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 the the mulefa give the egyptians these wonderful fishing nets that are beyond their comprehension about how great they are uh just those moments are just so rich and so beautiful um i just love that but the but you know Mary knew that she could learn over time via Serafina saying that she could to be able to see her demon and see it more easily. And this actually dated the book a little bit because it, <laughs> it referenced the sort of 3d um, uh, posters that we had when we were kids in the ni- yeah. in the nineties, like late eighties and early nineties that like the, the mall rats um, <laughs> sailboat. <laughs> it's a sailboat! That, uh, that was like the first thing that I thought of. It dated it a little bit, but, you know, it, it works because, you know, you sort of take your eyes out of focus and you kind of have to look at something a little bit differently. And she learns, not directly, but she spends two weeks with Serafina just shooting the shit, right? And mm-hmm. Serafina's like, well, we, we have spent a lot of time together. And I told you, like, you know, witchy ways and you've told me other things and well, let's try it. And sure enough, she gets to see her demon so much so that later on she puts her finger out and her demon lands on her finger and she puts it on her shoulder. Yep. And she hopes that she'll be able to speak. So great. And she hopes that she'll be able to speak with, she wonders whether they'll be able to speak at some point because she knows Lyra speaks to Pan. Although there's an awareness here that she, she's never really heard that. Mm -hmm. They, They speak in, you know, they speak privately or quietly to each other, which is something that we talked about way back is mm-hmm. like, do people, do they address, can they just talk to the other demons? And it's really just Will and Lyra that have their demons have that kind of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, I just wonder what, what will, what will happen, you know, moving forward. And again, I get, I guess I'll have to read the next trilogy, twist my arm, but um, I just, uh, you know, the, the, it, it seems like they're being asked to start a whole new philosophy on their worlds. You know, yes. 
Rebuilding um, the Kingdom of mm, Heaven. The Republic of Heaven. The Republic on of both, Heaven. Yeah. Republic. yeah right. On both that's of the their key, worlds. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a key ingredient. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I love it because I feel like that is the perfect description for what for an, an atheist's spiritual goals. Not mm. to not to be against, you know, religion, not not to push against religion, but just to make people kinder without feeling like you are being watched. Like just to be to to be kinder just to be kinder. To be a good person for the sake of goodness. And I, 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 it was really powerful for me at the end when, you know, they were describing what, you know, what the children were supposed to teach the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, previously when, when I, when, when I got to the series, I, I hadn't finished this, so I hadn't gotten to the end. Uh, you know, reading it now is, you know, uh, again, really powerful. I would. It's another thing that I wouldn't have been able to absorb the first time I read this. But now that I have, or when I was younger, when I started reading this, but now that I have, it's much easier to see what he's trying to say. And my gosh, it's it's. Wow, and and I, I'm interested to see what how, Mary, it, how and if you know Mary and Will are able to do that in our world, and gosh, how um, Lyra is it would able to be able to push against the Magisterium on her world to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know yeah. Uh, this. Th- there's a there's sort of a reveal that once they return to their their own worlds, their own universes. Uh, that a lot of stuff has happened <laughs> since they've been gone. Right. Uh, like the church became incredibly powerful and then fell apart. And they've been gone a while, you know? And there, it's splintered and, and there is opportunity there for, you know, rebuilding things. Uh, you know, the, the Jordan College is still able to operate and they're still, you know, they're still there. So that's really beautiful in a way and just makes me think more and more about the times we're in right now because we've gone through a period of time. You know, I don't want to tie this directly to what's happening in the world and what's happened over the past, you know, five years plus. But maybe, maybe, and this is more the hopeful side that I have, is that you sometimes you do have to tear things down to build them back up and and. You know, I'm not saying to rebuild the church from the ground up, but rebuilding the republic and and sort of being able to make it right. And, you know, people's eyes are open now, maybe more in a way that they weren't, you know, five, ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder I kept mm-hmm. I kept sort of thinking about sort of current events and it was hard not to thinking about this chasm, this void that's sucking up all goodness can be personified right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
into <laughs> one individual that sort of has just spread this. It's just pulling and pulling and pulling all the goodness down. But there's still goodness in the world. You know, we've been sort of talking about how friendships have been forever splintered and families have been forever splintered. Um, and I don't know that those bridges are repairable, but you wonder if there's still enough good in the world where um, we can still move forward and rebuild something new and still something that's good. I don't know. I don't know if it's possible. And Lyra and Will don't know. I don't even know what they're capable of doing. You know, they're just kids, right? And mm-hmm. we would never assume that they're not capable of doing something special and extraordinary. But right now, you're sort of thinking, okay, well, her new drive is to relearn with study how to use the alethiometer again. Will has destroyed the the knife. The knife has been shattered. And the way he shatters, shatters it, I, do you want to talk about that, is uh, he tries to shatter it the same way he shattered it before. But, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. He can only think of Lyra. The only the only uh, love that the, that can't be broken is the one between him and Lyra. And that that knife shatters right away. Yeah, it's like I could almost picture him just sticking and just boom, it just pops as soon as she pops into his head. Yep. Not that he doesn't love his mom, right? But this is different. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Killer. Ah. Uh. Damn you, Pullman. It's weird because <laughs> we now have this new trilogy, right? And and the Book of Dust is this three-book trilogy. There's already two out. Uh, I have not read them yet. I don't think you guys neither, right? No. Can I assume that you guys are now anxious to read them? I need to. The, the first book is a prequel, apparently. And the second book is the one where we get to see beyond right we get to see lyra and will older so you actually have to go through a whole book before you get to this apparently i haven't read it i'm so glad that we're catching getting to this late (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to wait like about years to read we can like dive right in yeah exactly and and this is the one that michael sheen reads which is that's why i want to do this as audiobook i think because i just love that guy yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. what a voice yeah Yeah. he's my favorite Uh, angel uh, well, one of my two favorite mm. angels, and and he needs to be in the Amber. If they don't put him in the Amber spot next season, if he's not one of the angels, you know, we thought he would be Baruch, right? He wouldn't be Balthamus. What do you think, Baruch? He could Balthamus? be Balthamus, right? He could be Balthamus. I just yeah. feel like he's got it. You know, he could be. Yeah, he does have soft edges. I'd love to see him and uh, Tennant be be uh, Baruch and Balthamos. That would be, that would be oh. a dream come true. Amazing. So good, so good. Uh, yeah, amazing. Or he could be uh, Metatron because I mean he could be powerful. For sure. Yeah, uh, it would be it would be pretty cool to see him take the opposite tack of uh, mm. gosh, I can, what, what is his name in uh, Good Omens. <sighs> Yeah. 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 Is the angel? Yeah. Is it like a Zerath? Yes. 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 Good poll, Joanne. Yep. <laughs> nice. Thank I you. I love that. I loved that. That was such a great. It's series. wonderful. It's wonderful. That's something I need to watch again. I've I've I mm-hmm. watched it while I was doing other things, but I, I need to watch it and just kind of absorb it because I, I I read the book 
right before I watched I watched the show, and it and I think the show hues was so closely to it that I felt like I could kind of skim the show. Mm-hmm. But I want to like, watch it and give the show the depth that it deserves. Yeah, it's great. I watched it twice. Well, we should all rewatch it. I think maybe that's something we can discuss, watch and discuss. Watch and discuss. Thinking. hundred percent on board. We'll do a little discussion, maybe on on record later. We can we can you know spitball a little bit. Woohoo! Yeah. So rebuilding the Repu- the Republic of Heaven is really the final words of this book. What does that mean to you guys? You know, I touched on it earlier. I feel like it's it's. Uh, Again, goodness for goodness sake. It's not it's it's about building a kind world here and not waiting mm-hmm. for an afterlife. The um because what I like so much about it is again, it's not aggressively anti religion. It's and it's not anti theist. It's just a a philosophy that doesn't require any kind of, you know, authority to to tell you what to do. You're just good to be good. Everything mm-hmm. else will fall will fall fall from that. You know that there is. Yeah, and and I think. Go ahead, Joanna. Go ahead. You got it. Oh, I was just going to say. I think. Obviously, I think that's what Pullman was absolutely going for, but it it continually makes me think of um, Flannery O'Connor, and she was influenced very much by Teilhard de Chardin and his theology, and and something that she had done in several of her stories, it's still obviously faith-based related. It still has God as a center, but, and that's hard for me to to separate because, you know, I have a mustard seed, but I still have a mustard seed. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, um, though I see every single problem with this, with organized religion, but this idea that Flannery O'Connor and Teilhard de Chardin had, which was that it's not, it's not, um, this, uh, you know, grace of, for, for ascension where you're leaving, like you, what you're saying, Travis, it's bringing the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. So every good thing you do is heaven right here, right now. It's not doing these things to win your spot. Yeah. It's, it's you're doing it, you know, and, and what I, you know, what I do appreciate is God is still a part of that in Teilhard de Chardin's theology. And it's still a part of that in Flannery O'Connor's stories, but it is still, you know, and I know that that would probably be a bone that Pullman would still want to pick with me, but um, the the general idea is exactly that, which is we do these wonderful, good, grace-filled things here now for here now, right? And and it's beautiful, and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful um, idea for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I try to see. It's, I mean, all those are great points, and. You know, when you live your life, you you wonder: is it is it hard? Is it challenging and difficult to be good and to be good to people around you? Is it harder to do that than to be indifferent or to be bad? I mean, to be awful to other people. Is it easier to be indifferent than good? Is it like where where is this? 
what is the challenge that's ahead of humanity to be good? What's our path? What's our path to be good? And I can't even say good again, because we still haven't really gotten there. How do we find a a path to being good instead of being indifferent or looking down on other human beings? The old wives' tale, it's harder to frown than smile, you know, more muscles to frown than smile. It's like, (laughs) But it's more about the the culture of indifference and and not seeing yourself in your fellow person, um, not being able to see that other people are in need, and to forget that we're all in this together. Right? Mm-hmm. We only have one planet, and I think that that's been completely lost. I think it it kind of goes back to what Serafina told Mary about seeing other people's demons. You know, once you're able to see other people's demons, because, you know, the the demon represents the soul. Once you're able to see other people's souls and recognize that they have them too, it's much more difficult to be, to treat them inhumanely. Um, You know, there is... uh, one of the principles of Unitarian Universalism is to, you know, recognizing the inherent um, worth of every person, and um, that's what I, I, I. That's what I feel when I see when I when I, I I think about, you know, seeing other people's demons. You know, I, well, while it would be wonderful to to look at you and you know see a an animal crawling up your shoulder and know what that means. You know, assuming that's not going to happen, the next best thing is just to assume that you are a another individual with a soul, mm-hmm. and that makes you worth something. Um, and I, I think once you nail that down, the goodness can kind of come from that. Yeah, well said. I remain hopeful. Yeah. It's hard sometimes. I think we're all sometimes feel like we're beating our head against a wall. Um, but I have, I have hope. Um, hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. <clears throat> but here we are. Yeah. And it's funny yeah. after the last couple of weeks to still have it. <laughs> the last year into the last couple of weeks to still have it, but it's still, it's, it's yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Well, children are a great example. I mean, this book is so much about children and mm-hmm. the way they see things and the way they see things in a unique way. And we have talked many mm-hmm. times over the past episodes, how children grasp things in a different way. Um, and I can only really look at my own children right now in the midst of a pandemic and realize that even when they have moments where they are suffering and they are definitely suffering right now, I can still see that optimism that only children can have about the world in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that they don't see the, the pressures that are weighing down on adults right now, which are different pressures. And I'm not saying the things that are weighing down on children right now are lesser I'm only saying that the responsibilities of adulthood, and boy, have we talked about that a lot in this mm-hmm. podcast, 
the responsibilities of adulthood are different and unique, and we shelter the children from those responsibilities. It allows a children, a child to still be childlike and mm-hmm. to still see the world in a special way, in a unique way that the sort of wide-eyed wonder of being able to see things for the first time and to see people, I think children see people, you know, I was, you know, Lyra in one way, my Lyra, sorry, the Lyra that is my child, she sees right through to people's souls in a way. Like I, I've seen her look at people and she can read a person in a way that I have, I don't think I've ever been able to, but maybe not since I was a child, she can read somebody so quickly mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I think is unique. Just see, just see people in a different way. And if we could retain just a little bit of that through study and wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we could make the world a better place. Yeah. Uh, you know, look at, you know, the, the PD James's book, uh, children of men, which is also a great movie. The loss of children completely destroys society, not just because there are not people continuing to populate the world, but people have just lost all hope. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. You know, the, the sounds of children on a playground is something that, brings joy to people that aren't even parents or people that have never known that, you know, in their own home, there's something about that, that adults don't have. Yeah. Used to be made fun of Travis. You talk about masculinity and seeing masculinity in a new way. And you can't be a certain way when you're a quote man. Mm -hmm. And some of that is being like a child still. Yeah. Yeah. Men push down that. I don't. I hope I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I try to sort of still be like a kid. I still run around like a kid. And and that, as recently as 15, 20 years ago, was very much looked down upon. A mm-hmm. man-child and someone who can't function in, in the world because they still have toys in their, eh, you know. It's like, yeah, I got a Millennium Falcon. What do you want to know about it? Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, that's a, a amusing anecdote. But, like, really? And women... I mean, I can't speak for women, Joanna, but I, I assume there's something that can be a parallel with women, which it's like we, we grow up and we leave behind the wonders of childhood and we don't mm-hmm. have to. We don't have to do that. Well, you know, you know what you brought up with the, the masculinity part, it really makes me think that the view of masculinity that – is prevalent among large portions of American society. It's a child's view of masculinity. It's not an adult's view of what masculinity, of a joyful masculinity, you know, of a joyful adulthood, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, as a kid, we, you know, we we've all been given images of the God, the strong silent type, you know, Gary Cooper and, you know, John Wayne. I, and I'm going to say this from a Gen X standpoint. So Gary Cooper, John Wayne, Charles Bronson, and you know, those guys, and mm-hmm. gosh, I'm thinking of snake eyes from GI Joe, you know, all the, all the best guys were the guys who didn't say anything, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, Boba Fett before until recently. Um, the, the, the best guys were the guys who, who, who never said anything. They were just there and tough mm-hmm. and, and, you know, nothing got through their exterior. And, uh, you know, as an adult, that's not what we need, you know, 
-hmm. It's hard being an adult. And we need to have those reservoirs of, you know, let's just have fun from time to time. Let's open ourselves up so we can share some of the, how hard this is with somebody who cares about us. You know, um, it, I, I think what we what we really need to do is look at adulthood like adults from the point of view of what adults need, not what kids think adults need. Wow. Yeah. Well, the book is a YA book. It is. <laughs> we are dissecting it like adults. Um, you know, but I feel like um, I think you had said you know, if you'd read this when you were 18, I wonder, gosh, you imagine reading this when you're 12. It's like you would miss, you really would miss quite a bit. And I wonder if that's, are we sucking some of the wonder out of this book by dissecting it? Or is it just so layered and so wonderful that it, it resonates on a dozen different levels? I think that's more likely to be the, the, mm -hmm. the right answer. I mean, that's the best books, right? The best books are the books that you read at different ages, and they tell you different stories. Right. The uh, I, I mean, for me, it's always been Dune. You know, Dune, yeah. when I was 13 and I read it the first time, was a fantastic adventure story. You know, I read it every few years, and every time I read it, it's more tragic than the time I read it before. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can, I can probably look through my shelf and see some, see, see other books that, that I feel the same way about, but, uh, it, it, it's that way, you know, this book, is, this, this series is like that. Um, you know, you read it at different ages and you get, you're affected different ways each time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I didn't finish it last time because I wasn't ready for the introspection that it, uh, you know, kind of, uh, inspired, but you know, now mm -hmm. I'm at, at the stage where it's like, okay, cool. Let's, uh, let's feel those feelings. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciated it more, but many reasons, uh, lie at the two of your feet because you've opened up my mind about this and, and picked up on things that I wouldn't have, I didn't even misread pick up on. So mm -hmm. I, my experience was much richer because of the two of you. No, same here, Alaric. Thank you. Same. Uh, any other thoughts before I, I had a couple thoughts and I wanted to sort of bounce them off of you guys. They're book related. Mm -hmm. um, there is Lyra talks about, will and comparing him to a wound, a bruise that was always there um, that she would be aware of and over time would cherish something that hurt, but she understood its importance. Did you, did you catch that little small little bit? Mm. I kept thinking about, and this is spoilers for future episodes because I'm stuck in this, this world, but um, Frodo's wound from Weathertop and how he, it never heals and it's never going to heal. It's, we, I compared it to Will's wound, but this made me think even more of it because he has this wound. It is now a piece of him forever. Mm -hmm. And he's, and he's never going to heal. He's never going to get better. It's never going to go away. 
And I don't want to say that he cherishes this wound, but this wound in many ways defines him and defines his path. Because when you look at, this is another thing about age, right? When I, when, when I initially read Lord of the Rings, I was young. And, and I mean, honestly, none of it really, I just, the fantasy of it, where mm-hmm. this is a perfect example, is like the fantasy of it really overwhelmed me. Then I saw the movies. I reread the books while the movies were coming out. So I, I kind of see them the same way. But I remember seeing Return of the King and thinking about in the theater and thinking, God, is this movie ever going to end? Ending after ending after ending. And not dismissing how good it was, but like, oh man, too many endings. Mm. Seeing it again as I've gotten older, everyone is earned. Everyone deserves its place. Everyone is important. But the one that is the most important to me not the one that gives me the most chills, which is, of course, you bow for no one. Mm-hmm. Everyone, probably, I would say that's number one. But Frodo not fitting in with other people because of what he's been through and because of this wound, Lyra may never fit in with other girls that have so many things to teach her about being a kid because her childhood has been so different from everyone else's. Frodo will never be the same person again. He will never be able to go back to the Shire. And I'm using big air quotes here because the Shire is still the same as what he, what he left behind the thing that he loves so much that he wanted to return to Lyra returning to Jordan college. It's essentially the same place as she left it. Things have changed around it, but the master is the same. People are more affectionate to her, you know, which is a very funny moment where she's like, man, this person, you know, I thought he hated me. And he's like, oh, and he, you know, he holds both her hands. And then, you know, the, the headmistress at the school, you know, she sees her in a completely different way that she, she had seen Mrs. Coulter as this sort of like, wow. But then she saw the headmistress and was like, wow, she's smart and funny. And like there was, she, but a lot of that is because Lyra's changed. It's right. not that she changed. Right. Lyra has changed herself. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't fit in the same way that she fit in before. She, there's still warmth there. Jordan can still be a home to her, but she's forever changed. So she can never go home in the same mm-hmm. way. And that was something that really jumped out at me. I mean, I've been really thinking a lot about Lord of the Rings lately. So, you know, I, I apologize for sort of going on and on about it. But it's still that same thing. She has this forever present wound which is will that's in her heart that will never heal. And because of that, she's forever changed and she will, she can't just go home again and be the same Lyra. She's now a new person, not just because she grew up, not just because she fell in love, not because of the tragedy that she experienced, but all those things together has now pushed her and made her a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, that really stood out to me. And, I'm, I'm on my soap soapbox, but I hope you guys. I appreciate you listening to me. Uh, oh, absolutely. I I wonder. I, I compare it a little bit to uh, you know Lancelot's wound in um, Excalibur, because his wound isn't just the wound that he had in battle, right? The the wound is um, the 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 loss, uh, the inability to have the love of Guinevere that he always wanted. And that stayed with him forever. And eventually was like the reason that he dies. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think the, 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 the old wound is a motif 
in a lot of stories and um you know the, this this is an, another use of it mm-hmm. yeah i had another thought and this is um about the crossing universes and how they had to separate and they couldn't be together again and I've recently rewatched. This is more pop culture stuff. I recently rewatched Into the Spider Verse, which is just great. You know, uh, we, we agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of that, the very end, um, Miles, and it, it seems that there is still a way for Miles and Gwen to speak to each other. Mm-hmm. She sort of mm-hmm. reveals herself over, and she's like, "Hey, Miles," and and. I'm not sure that there will be romantic entanglement between the two of them in the next movie, but I wonder because there was a little bit of a goodbye where everyone sort of went back to the universes and they closed, you know, they sort of shut down this, this was it the reactor. And what was the big machine? Anyway, they shut it down and they had all had to go back to their own, their own um, multiverse location. But the fact that she was able to see him again, makes me believe that in the next movie they'll be sort of together again or, or they'll have a relationship and it'll be longer term relationship and they'll be together. I wonder if there is a big piece of the next plot. This is just me imagining that they have to permanently close that. And Gwen and miles will be very, very close and they will have to sacrifice something to finally forever be separated because it just made me think as they were saying goodbye to each other. And, you know, they, they live in parallel universes, right? They both live in New York. They're the slightly different versions of it. But I wonder if there could be an interesting element where they could go to the same place and be together, even though they're in separate universes. I hope not, because I ship it so hard. Um, <laughs> it would be totally heartbreaking. You know, totally heartbreaking. Um, but that sort of pictured her, Hey, Maz, you got a sec? You know, she was still there and still able to communicate with him. And that could be maybe where Will and Lyra are going, you know, maybe they are able to sort of crack through and speak to each other. There's a book out there, so we'll yeah. have to check it out. Yeah. And then Gamora we'll in, in Avengers, Gamora was another one. She's out of time. She's not, she doesn't belong, but at some point she and Peter could sort of rekindle and find a way to be together, but maybe she has to go back to her own time at some mm-hmm. point and they have to separate. I keep thinking, I've been, you know, all the versions that I've been thinking, it's like, okay, I like this whole heartbreaking separation where someone can never be together again. More of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any more of that. I can't take any more of that. I need these things, these people to just be together. My, uh, Candace, Candace, my wife and I watch, uh, general hospital on a, a relatively daily basis. We, we, you know, we'll watch the Hulu um, recordings uh, from time, uh, every couple of days we'll catch up on Hulu. And uh, there's one particular um, relationship that uh, I'm desperate to never happen. Like I want them to, they, they had their falling out and I guess in that case, I, you know, I'm like, no, I don't want these people to have, because, because in almost every other circumstance, I'm that person who, who says, I need them to be together. I need these one true pairings. But I, in this case, I'm like, no, uh, you know, so maybe we can put that relationship, put them in, in parallel universes so they can be together. And then, you know, I can be happy. 
Hey, daytime soaps, man, they can do that stuff, right? Absolutely. They can I do mean, whatever they want. Yeah. When we were in college, I mean, I remember an alien on one of them. Uh, somebody was time traveling. Oh, yeah. That was, um, gosh, it was the one that was on the beach. It was the kind of weird one. There was like a little person in Is it. it. Santa it was like Barbara? A bitch. You're I think muted. it was Santa Barbara. Oh. Joanna. The one with the There's... monkey bears? Yes. What was the name of yes! that? Yes. Another World. I can't remember. Another world. So weird. To another world. That was it. No, it wasn't another world. It wasn't. No, that was no, Santa no. Barbara had the little person. Okay. And Santa Bar- No, but Santa Barbara was different. No, this one, the one that I'm thinking of was it wasn't like kind of like a but it had a, this like monkey nurse. And it was the I have what? never in my entire life seen anything. I'm gonna have to Google it and figure it out. Yep. You're but gonna have was, to do it that. Because so, <laughs> I'm intrigued. Do you remember that one though? I don't. It's, it's, it, it's actually um, sparking a memory. So I wonder. Daytime soaps were something I watched when I was sick, right? If I was homesick, I would, you know, every single one that was on, I would watch. Uh, and if I was home for several days, I could pick up on what the main plot points were. So this is one that is is piquing my interest a little bit. Um, speaking of soaps, I, we're running a little bit long. We don't have to talk about it this week. Um, I'm sorry, the monkey nurse was Passions. Passions? It was Passions. Yes, yes. I got her. That was insane. Passions yeah. was the crazy one. Yes. That also had yes. the little person. Yes, that's right. It had magic and mystery. mystery and I mean, yep. the yep. fact that there wasn't a daytime soap that was all about like magic and, and, and fantasy, that thing would have been so popular. Well, there was. There was dark... Um, dark uh, oh, God. They, they made... Uh, Tim Burton made a movie. With uh, oh, Dark Shadows, Dark Shadows, yeah, that was yeah. on ABC. I don't know. Yeah, but that was that was that was like our parents. Like my mom watched Dark Shadows. That yeah. wasn't like recent. Right. Yeah, there, yeah, there should have been one for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, for sure. Uh, but speaking of soap operas, we could transition here to bridgerton or we could wait since we are running a little bit long i don't want to take up our whole day and joanna could pick up on a few more episodes other than the four that she's read i feel like i wouldn't know where to stop we could talk about the characters that we like and whatnot but yeah because i think by the fourth episode they're all established yeah yeah um my, my take my hot take here the first four episodes is that um i would very much watch a lady danbury show Wow. That is just about Lady Danbury mm. and her world and how mm. she got to where she got and her entire life and everything she does and give her mountains of dialogue to say and mountains of costumes to wear. Oh, yes. I would Lady love Danbury to see all day. All day. Yeah. I all would day. love to see the show that the prequel to that show where we see the transition from Ooh. old white patriarchy. Yes. Into yes. the new egalitarian mm-hmm. uh, Britain. I would love to see that show. So, so part of me, yeah. I was thinking, okay, Shonda Land, and and when I started watching it, I didn't know anything about it. I knew there were romance novels, but like, I'm watching the Shonda Land show, and I'm like, I love this casting. I just mm-hmm. love that she was like. It's going to be um, a racially diverse group of people set in you know Victorian England or whatever. I'm like. On board. Love it. The fact that it's actually like part of the story. Yes. That was a surprise mm-hmm. to me. 
and a very welcome surprise. But Mm -hmm. I think it it actually is Lady Danbury who tells that story about the queen and how King, uh, King George had married her and it changed everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That you are absolutely right, Travis. Yeah. And I want to see how, like, how tenuous the balance is because there's no way, Mm -hmm. like, in one generation – I mean, we know from our world (laughs) that in one generation it does not just Mm -hmm. go away. Right. You know? Um, How were they – how how tenuous is that uh, in that world? Like, there's there's a deeply political show in Bridgerton, like, embedded in the DNA Mm -hmm. that I – really want to watch me too and i i I like the 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 airy show that we're getting now don't get me wrong i love the show that it is now yeah but yeah i feel like there's like a bridgerton cinematic universe waiting to be created Um, let's start let's do it let's do it we're talented people let's start writing some scripts well, the fact that there's like, a, I don't know how many books there are, but my understanding is there is a ton of books in this series. Um, so it's very likely because, and we can't talk about the ending yet, obviously, yeah. uh, of this of this particular series. It's totally okay. Fine. We'll get, we'll get to it. Yep. Um, but there could have been like book two of this series, Travis, could mm-hmm. be a prequel. Yeah. I mean, we don't, I don't even know. And I don't even, yeah. I don't want to know. This is one yeah. of the ones I don't want to read these books. I just want Shonda to, to give it to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and, I don't need the books. Yeah. But what I love too, is that if they did use the books, regardless, it can be something that's like, kind of like how Fargo, the, the TV show Fargo, um, where it's the same whatever, but like you're, you're seeing these different, you know, the first one is set like now with Martin Freeman. And then the next one is like in the seventies. And it goes, you know, it, it kind of shoots back and forth um, within this general universe, and I love that. And I would totally be up for something like that too, with um, with the Bridgerton. I, I love, I love the little. Um, just talking kind of generally about it right now, I do love these little like gaps they close by using like all modern music, but yeah. they set it classical, like to sound, you know, as. I don't think it's Baroque, but whatever the, whatever the, you know, classical. Yeah. It was a Billie Eilish. They danced to Billie Eilish. uh, They did. They used Ariana Grande. I was like cracking up. It's like Westworld. This is really, yeah, it's really great. It was really great. Um, Yeah. It could be like the whistle down verse. It could be the whistle down verse. It could be. That she could be the the frame the framer right the thing that's sort of like that central thing because it, since it's a gossip a little gossip publication yeah. she basically gossips about everybody that whatever right. so you could actually use that as the sort of jumping off point and still have Julie Andrews be the voice of that and she's sort of like this overarching familiar voice and you could say oh there's mm-hmm. the Duke but the Duke is in the distance I think you're sort of saying it's like that's go- still mm-hmm. going on. Um, and, and we can talk about how that ends, but there are other stories going on. You know, the, the French tailor, you know, that's a, that's a story and her story could be interesting, you know? And, you know, part of me wonders, uh, you know, looking at this like big picture Shondaland, if this couldn't even be taken as a prequel to Shondaland, because you look at her shows and there is a certain, a certain degree of, 
racial strife erasure in her shows. And I don't want to say that as a mm. negative, as a negative, but there are a lot of, there's very little race racism in comparison to the number of, you know, people of color associating with, you know, high uh, profile mm-hmm. white people. And I wonder if that's not so much as an American reaction, because remember George III is, you know, the, the, the crazy King who America broke off from, you know, is there, mm-hmm. uh, could, there could be an element from the, from the Bridgerton world that translates into the, you know, future America of, of her shows. The, uh, hmm. there's there, you could, we could have some fun with this. <laughs> I'm and also, I found out that Queen Charlotte was a real person. And the whole um, questioning her racial background yeah. was uh, a real thing. Mm. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, I love Queen Charlotte. And I love, she has this familiarity. Like, she'll, she just, like, you kind of, you think of, like, the current queen. And you're like, she probably never just walks up and talks to people. Yeah. I like how she will pinpoint yeah. somebody to party in, in Bridgerton. And she, like, goes over to them. And she's like, what do you know, blah, blah, blah. She's, like, very direct with people. And she's mm-hmm. not, like, um, completely protected. She is protected to some extent. But, like, she breaks from that in her society circles. And she's, like, pulling people. She has, like, uh, she's, like, meddling in little things. You know, she's just very involved in what's going on. I love that. Yeah, it's like the the waspy distance that that you typically get with with most with royals in like British stories mm-hmm. is gone. Yeah. yeah, she's like pull up in your grill. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Surprise! The uh, the graphic sex was a big surprise. Yes, I was like, yes. oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, let me make sure the door's closed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it seemed to be mutually beneficial. Which was a, a, a interesting change from most shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The real dis- we can't talk about the later episodes, <clears throat> but there uh, we'll we'll get to that. I know there's a library scene that I have not seen yet. Is this correct? There's a there stairs like a library? scene, a library oh, scene. There's like hundred scenes. Yeah, there are lots of scenes. Oh. Yeah. yeah, buckle up. Whenever I, mean, I see things that I pass, it always says we're going to talk about that scene, and I'm like, what? Well. So there's lots of I don't feel scene. like there's a that okay. there's like a, a no. single that scene. No. Like but, but you know if you were going to oh, we can't talk about it. Uh but we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, there's to, to me there was one scene that I thought was like whoa and it wasn't even one that anyone's talking about. And then mm-hmm. as the series progresses there's like a dozen. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't wait for the library scene although there is a library scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is, you know, basically, yeah. It's yeah. something. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> um, to watch. All right, so we can touch on that a little bit more. So, um, what do you think our first tackle should be in our post His Dark Materials world? Do we want to take a brief break from His Dark Materials? Yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't want to go right into yeah. Book of Dust. I think I'm good taking a break from Book of Dust. Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, there's so much we can do. Um, we could do that rewatch of uh, of good of Good Omens that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Yep, that would be good. It's a good series. I think it was also 
it was a hit, but it wasn't like a gigantic hit. So, yeah. you know, maybe we could, um, yeah. maybe we could draw in some new viewers and new readers. Uh, just watch the series, not read the book again. Yeah. 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 I think I want to take a break from reading for a little bit too. I'm planning on reading some stupid stuff for a while and I shouldn't say stupid because all books have value, but, yes. uh, I, yeah, I, I'm going to be reading probably some, uh, you know, space blow up splody things perfect yeah yeah all right so why don't we say good omens will be our, our first tackle i do want to do that lord of the rings one at some point um mm-hmm. that's a little bit longer of a tackle well i don't know the good omens was six episodes it was like six hours yeah 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 i'm happy to rewatch that really you know really. what i'd like to i'd like to to do at some point would be fun is uh and i think you guys would probably not fun but good is um, the Ancillary Justice book series by Ann Lackey. Have you read okay. those? No. It's fantastic, and it's done. Uh, it takes place in a world where uh, gender is not a concept. Hmm. And every person's pronoun is she. Huh. Yeah. Um, it's a challenging first read and i'd like to get through it again okay and i think it'd be fun for for us to to discuss as we get through why don't we jump in our google doc and we can sort of put down our wish list items and we'll we'll make a little list and we'll keep on going sounds good and if anybody's listening and they hear you know and they can think of something that might be fun for us to do let us know yes please do you're muted joanna there you go I am always muted. It's this pandemic. Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. What I was going to say, if there's a listener, <laughs> please let us know. Um, yeah. I just watched Tenet um, yesterday. I finally got that movie. Mm-hmm. So, I love that movie. And that's, I don't know. If, I think I need to watch it another two times. But yeah, I, I, I loved I, every second of watching it. it. It's exciting. So, it, you have not seen it? No. So I need to, apparently. Yeah. I think I, I think I, Tenet I, would I be good for us to discuss. Okay. I'm into it. I think that would be amazing. Bring yeah. a guest bring a guest uh, panel person on, too, because there's a whole lot to discuss with that one. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. There's, there's a lot. Of, yeah. That's good. Cool. That's good. Let's add it to the list. All right. All right, guys, it has been a pleasure, and these books are even more dog-eared than they were before. Matter of fact, I lost a chunk of one, <laughs> like a piece of book oh, that no. ripped off, and it's in. It's, I just sort of stuck here. It is. This is a piece of book. I don't even know what happened. It's just the pages are getting like a little dry and yellowed, yeah. you know? So I was like turning a page and just choop, took off a chunk of it. Nice. <laughs> Uh, well, it, it's been absolute, absolute pleasure going through the books with you guys and the two seasons. We're obviously going to have another season, which we'll, I'm sure, dive into again. Uh, but absolute, absolute pleasure. I have had a great time. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I, I hope people who are listening to this had fun and took something away from this. Um, and... Uh, I hope you'll stick around with us for whatever we're doing next. Absolutely. This was um, something that made my year. I looked forward to reading and discussing this with you guys every every single chance we got. Um, I do hope 
that listeners will continue to, to follow, give us suggestions of other things to, to talk about, and um, continually give us grace for our foibles that are full-blown, at least for me, doing podcasting. Um, thank you for your, for your grace and for your, for your kind reviews. And yeah, I'm looking forward to like another year of this. I dovetail on what you guys said, um, the grace of listening, but um, hopefully our uh, our wisdom has been appreciated as well. Um, we very much appreciated just really just having a conversation and we hope it feels conversational. That's one of the things that I love about podcast is it feels like you're just sitting in on a conversation and we hope that, or I hope that that has been a rewarding experience for you all. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Maybe not next week, but we're going to get our ducks in a row and start uh, planning for our Good Omens rewatch. Uh, that'll be our first one. I think we agreed. <laughs> and then we'll get our Google Doc together. We'll do a whole discussion about what our Google Doc holds in store for everyone. Nice. And a new name. we got to come up with a little oh, bit of a new yes. name. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye.